Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. We're all born, you know, super creative, super geniuses. And I mean, everybody. You know, I remember when I was in New York and I was a student and I was, you know, like, you know, buying a bunch of beers and I was, you know, a, a, a bar fly and hanging out at a Blarney Stone or one of the, you know, uh, awesome little local corner bars and um, um, actually near Madison Square Garden because that's where I kind of I, I lived in the Y for a long time. And I would hang out there with like um, city sanitation workers, you know, after they were done their shift or, or cops. Dude, these guys are so smart so politically astute, you know? And I'm like, and as, as a young designer, I'm like, oh my God, I could turn these guys into, you know, these guys should be writers and, and comedians and, you know, and, and, and creators. They're so brilliant, but they've told themselves this story or their parents told them this story. You're going to be a bricklayer like me because yeah. it pays and there's always work laying bricks. So there's a long answer. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. James, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, beautiful man, I am happy to be here. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So you're actually back here for a second time, uh, which I think always to me, anytime we have somebody back uh, on the show, it, it says a lot about their work and the impact that it had on me. Uh, you have a new book out, Fect Perfection, which we will talk about in a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we go into that, uh, I want to start by asking you, what is one of the most important things that one or both of your parents taught you uh, that have influenced and shaped who you've become and what you've done with your life and your career? You know, it's a, such a great, such a great uh, question, Srini, because I think even even in fact, I I, I mentioned my parents uh, a, a number of times because I, I I I've always known as an artist and a designer, I'm super introspective and retrospective. I I I'm always looking for causality, and I'm always looking for like why do I why do I do these things? Um, and I think it's I think it's important to it's important, and it's on the, kind of the road to know thyself. But um, mm -hmm. I think from my mom. Um, I was given a, uh, a sense of, um, humor, um, dark humor. Cause she's, uh, she's Irish. And, yeah. um, uh, from my father, I was given a sense of, uh, uh of discipline. He, he was, uh, he was lifelong military. So I was reared on mm -hmm. a military, you know, military basis for most of my life. And, yeah. um, you know, one the things you learn in the military is, um, um, good posture, <laughs> and uh you know to question authority but also you know my father was a uh, um my father was wildly creative but he was also uh he was also um uh supremely disciplined um mm -hmm. you know he died at the end of last year from after battling not even battling but just living with uh, parkinson's disease for you know uh, almost 20 years um and he never complained once and that kind of that kind of dis discipline and that kind of like um you know, the choice that he made uh -huh. to be, yeah. to be, to be, you know, to be a hero and not a victim was, is strong. And I hope to, I hope to, I hope that the, both of those, the discipline and humor, uh, you know, carry me for, for a long time. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about discipline because I, I think that when I, when I look at people who, uh, succeed at this, uh, you know, whether it's the people that I've spoken to on the podcast, whether it's the books that, that have been written by the authors that I like, that seems to be a common thread. And I think that, you know, I was writing about this the other morning about the fact that what has happened, I think, is a byproduct of the fact that we can go from idea to execution so quickly as we've lost patience and I think we've lost discipline. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and I wonder, one, how do people begin to develop discipline when it comes to creativity? And also, uh, how do they maintain a sense of humor when they feel as if they're victimized or they're like, OK, you know, this isn't worth doing because nobody's paying attention to me? Hmm. You know, it's funny. That, that's actually a great, uh, you know, the, what you said you were writing about is actually a really super insight. Um, and I think one of the ways, uh, you know, and I talk about it publicly when I, you know, given the opportunity, but I think one of the ways to, um, th that I use is I just, I just try to be gentle on myself, you know, because mm -hmm. I can tend to be, I'm my worst critic, you know, yeah. um, I'm like, um, I, I've been, um, you know, a quote unquote athlete my, my whole life. So I'm super competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I have to back off. Um, you know, I have, I have the discipline, but I need to also mix that with, you know, being gentle on myself and saying, Hey, listen, you know, it's not, it's, it's my, you know, my kids, like, uh, they love beating me at, at boards games. 
but they, they also <laughs> know, you know, that I, I like to, I like to play and I, winning is not important to me. I like the process. I've learned to love mm-hmm. the process and I've learned to just kind of love the, and be gentle on myself and, and to, you know, try to learn to be a, you know, a gracious loser, you know, yeah. um, you know, and quietly understanding that, you know, I'm helping them become, you know, somewhat disciplined and somewhat competitive yeah. and <laughs> well, I think you made a really good point about about enjoying the process because I realized that if you are this is another thing I was writing about today was the fact that I think extrinsic motivation or being solely motivated by external rewards is actually incredibly limiting in terms oh, of what you can accomplish yeah yeah uh, no that you just the, rob the, the, the Instagram I mean you know the the, yeah. the fuck you know social media has just made it has made it so hard it's made it so yeah. hard to not look around and not judge and not, you know, um, um, did I, did I step all over a question? No, 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 no. Okay. Keep going. I, I, okay. Because what I'd like to, what I'd actually like to talk about, um, I'm going to ignore your question, Srini, and I'm going to talk about, uh, <laughs> I have a list of topics I'd like to discuss here. Um, <laughs> one of the things that, uh, um, I think, I think in line with what we're talking about is, is not only, um, judging yourself, mm. uh, against others. Um, but I think, um, or comparison, uh, comparisons, but I think, uh, you know, judging yourself and yeah, I get a lot of younger artists and designers who write me and they say, Hey James, take a look at my work and what do you think? And I have a stock answer that I, that I respond to. And I say, listen, it's not important what I think of your work. It's important what you think of your work. It's important how your work makes you feel. It's important how you get it out the door. And it's not even important that you judge your work because you are a terrible judge of your work. I'm yeah. a terrible judge of my work. You know, and, you know, I mean, in, in, in fact, perfection, you know, I, there are a number of um, uh, pieces of art that were switched out two or three times until mm-hmm. my wife t- took a look at the final and said, Hey, wasn't there a, wasn't there a different piece here? And I'm like, okay, yes, I'm going back to the first. I'm going to stop this process of trying to judge which is better. Right. Um, um, and you know, we're terrible judges of our work. And if your work, you know, if your work, quite frankly, here's the, here's the deal. If your work is, is crappy, we'll keep making crappy, keep Uh making it because, because at some point it's going to become good. You know, you're not entitled to, well, it comes back. It's, it's the Bhagavad Gita, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you're not entitled to the, to the fruit of your labor. You're only entitled to the labor itself. Meaning, meaning don't judge it. Just keep making, just keep making. Don't judge whether it's good or bad. You're only entitled uh-huh. to the labor. Which which makes me wonder, you brought up the, the Gita. So I have, I have two questions about your parents. Uh, what advice did they give you about careers, particularly because I think that it's funny because I think we admire people who have creative careers. I think I, I said this in, in my first self-published book, that art that rewards its creator long after the average person is, quits is admired, but rarely encouraged. And <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder what your parents told you. And, you know, the other part I'm curious about is, um, what if any religious or spiritual beliefs were you raised with that have impacted you? Interesting. Yeah. It's funny. You know, it's like, uh, you, you know, take somebody early in their career and you're like, Oh, you're still beating your head against the wall. Huh? <laughs> you know, we don't yeah. see that it'll actually get somewhere, you know? Um, uh-huh. uh, yeah, my, mm, Parental career advice was the antithesis of what I do for a living, um, par- partially because partially because no one in my, you know, my I have two older sisters and um, uh, the oldest of them was the first one, uh, the first one in our family to get, you know, a college degree. My folks didn't have degrees. Uh, they were, you know, ch- children of uh, children of immigrants um, didn't get college degrees. So that was pushed. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. even when I, even when I got to New York and I be, started making some money and started having, you know, some shows and things, you know, I had a conversation with my mom at one point and she said, yeah, no, I, I, I really wish you would have gotten a real degree first, you know, mm-hmm. something to fall back on, you know, and I write about, I talk about that now and it's like, no, 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 there is nothing to fucking fall back on. That is like setting it in your head. That's you. You've just ruined it for yourself. You're like, you, you've just given yourself an out. There is no out. There's only making, there's only moving forward, you know? So, yeah. so, and then when I came, I moved to New York when I was 19 to, to study at the school of visual arts and I had a full-time job so I could support myself through school. And, you know, it was a horrible time for me to be, you know, in New York 
mm-hmm. um, you know, on my own and going to school, you know, I was, I had a full-time job, so I was making a couple dollars and I, I, you know, I could, I could, I could buy all the beer I wanted and chase skirt all day. You know, why would I want to go to school? Um, mm-hmm. so I, I was asked to leave at school of visual arts. I was taken aside and, um, I called, uh, first I called my dad and I said, so, uh, yeah, well, um, it's like this, um, <laughs> you know, I said, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to leave, you know, design school. And he said, but I thought you wanted to be the, you know, creative director of some fancy, you know, you know, studio. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to have that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to go to art school. <laughs> yeah. And then I called and then I called uh, my, my, my best friend, somebody I worked with. And I said, Hey Ray. Uh, so I, you know, I think I'm dropping out of school. And he said, congratulations. And he really, what that did for me is it really set the, um, the chasm of perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it said, it said, it said, okay, here, here's, here is all the way, all the way left and all the way right. So you need to now choose where your attitude lies about this, 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 uh, uh, presumptive failure. Right. And that's, I think that's super important. I think we need to, you know, we need to, we need to, 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 to see failure and success. Who said, uh, who said this, uh, to, to see failure as, and success as the imposters they are. Right. Mm. And, you know, choose where we, where we are on that spectrum. I think that's terribly important. Yeah. What about the religious and spiritual beliefs? Ah, yeah. Um, I was raised early on uh, um, Catholic. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to Catholic uh, grade school and Catholic high school. I was an altar boy. Um, my first paid job was as a as a pallbearer. Um, uh, you know, I was I was I was thick in it, and um, th- having those beliefs. Um, was really strong and really important to me at the time, and I have I have shied away from that and opened my opened my arms to um all the good of all the religions if i can mm-hmm. say that and yeah. you know the one thing i that i still love about um you know my own religious upbringing was and it was my mom's not my dad's um yeah. uh was my dad my dad was like you know the homer simpson you know okay i'll see you when you get back yeah. <laughs> um uh the one thing that i took away and still 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 rely on still think about is you know every single thing that jesus said Hmm. you know anything else that's in the bible is you know is a crock of shit but all the stuff you know because you know all he wanted was people to love each other and i think that's that's amazing wow yeah i mean the reason i brought it up is uh, somebody asked me in an interview the other day do you think there's a spiritual aspect to creativity and i said you know i am skeptical about anything that i can't explain to a fault and then I had this moment on the day of my sister's wedding where hmm. you know, in an Indian wedding, you have this thing called a mandap and, uh, you know, it was outside, it was in Palm Springs and it was a beautiful day, but you know, towards the end of the day, the sun starts setting. So it was getting really, really cold. And then to top it off, literally right before the ceremony was about to start, the wind just started howling <laughs> and they had built this platform and the guy who built the platform came to me and he said, listen there's like a 1% chance that this thing is going to fall down. Can you go and get, you know, four of your relatives to hold it up? I was like, well, given that my sister and my soon to be brother-in-law are there, let's not take that 1% chance. (laughs) Yeah. But literally the moment the priest started the ceremony, the wind just died down. And I think if there's any moment in my life where I started to have this sort of faith and things I couldn't explain, that was it. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, do you think that there's a spiritual aspect to creativity? Oh yeah. Don't even talk to me about yeah spiritual aspect. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, my, you, you know, wait, uh, Srini, can you hold on? Let me get my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she's my, <laughs> she's my spiritual guy. She's like, she helps my attitude so much about this stuff. And you know, she and I, she, and you know, reluctantly, I'm the reluctant hero in this story. Uh, we are big believers in, in everything works out and everything has a purpose and, uh, seeing the spirituality in everything. And, you know, I'm writing, I'm in the process of writing a new book and I, um, uh, there's a, there's a parenting, uh, child rearing section in it. And one of the things that we, that, that I have to talk about, and and it's a little weird when you have to talk about this and, you know, in writing to, to parents is like this whole idea of like, you know what, why, 
back off from your kids. You know, we want to, we want to correct them and we want to help them. And it's like, even like with my, you know, my one-year-old or my, you know, my four-year-old, it's like, you know what? They are probably in tune with stuff that I forgot. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let them lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, um, I think my, the spirituality does not come from my Christian upbringing. I think the spirituality comes from my, my, um, widening my perspective and trying to see everything as uh, mm-hmm. everything as a teacher, you know, and yeah. be open. Um, uh, yeah. And now I, you know, now I, I, for the last three years, I've lived in a, um, relatively secluded part of a very rural part of, uh, of Texas. And mm-hmm. it's super, Serena, it's super difficult to just, you know, go for a walk out in the, out in the field and, and not feel like, you know, and not understand spirituality and not under, not listen to the trees talk and understand what the deer are thinking and all that kind of, you know, it's really wild or to, or to even just, you know, even if you're just reading into it, you know, it's like my wife is studying, um, not because she's doing it or whatever, but she's just open and she's studying channeling. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, so the idea of like channeling other other powers and other voices and stuff. And somebody said, somebody said uh, in the book that she's reading, um, it, it said the question, the blunt question is, you know, don't you just, aren't you just making it up? Yeah. And the answer is yes, but that's called creativity. Yeah. And everything wow. comes from creativity. The fact that we're on, the fact that we are walked on the fucking moon. Mm-hmm. Came because somebody just fucking made it up. You can call it invention. You can call it uh, science, but at the end of the day, someone just made it up. Someone just believed in it enough to get other people to believe in it. That's 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 the power of spirituality. That's the power of um, of, of thought, you know. And 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 if you don't understand the power of your thoughts on your physical body, then you're mm. a boob. You know the 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 direct correlation between stress and cancer and disease. Forget about it. You know, yeah. think, thinking, thinking pure thoughts. Yeah. E- eating, eating, uh, uh, green smoothies every day is important, but not if you're, not if you're all bent up inside your mind and not if you, if you have this horrible existence inside of a gray cubicle, yeah. <laughs> you know, in fluorescent lighting, yeah, all the green uh-huh. smoothies in the world aren't going to, aren't going to, you know, free your, um, your, your chemistry to be, um, medicine to, you know, uh, um, you know, my wife says, let, let, let medita- meditation be your medication, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so there's, there's, you know, my dose of spirituality. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned that your kids were one and four and naturally that was going to be one of my next questions is, you know, do you think about how you're going to educate your kids? Uh, you know, you're somebody who's made a living as a creative, you got asked to leave school. And so I wonder what your views are on our education system. And, and more importantly, if somebody asked you to redesign it, what would you change? Yeah. Um, that's a huge question because, um, I had, I just was reading, what is her name? I forget. Um, it's not on the tip of my tongue, but basically she was saying, listen, all school children need to be told this thing that you're being, you're, you're basically being, taught to be a cog in a wheel (laughs) in a system that needs cogs. Right. And if you can understand that, if you, if you have, if you have the, the, the strength and the tenacity and the grit to do otherwise and to, to get through that process and to still have some, some sense of yourself and your creativity left in you, then you'll, then you'll succeed. And everybody else who can't do that needs to understand that they are just fitting into something that society needs right now. So, and I am a firm believer of that. I am not a huge fan of the educational system. I think, um, you know, that we sit in rank and file as bullshit and, um, it's a horrible time to be in school. Like I, I get up and I go for early morning runs and, you know, we're talking like, you know, I get up super early. So I'm up at like, you know, four and four 30, but I, I go for runs and I, you know, it's dark and almost, you know, like six o'clock and I see school buses out there and I'm like, fuck that. Are you kidding I'm not, no, we're not, I'm not doing that with my kids. That's just hell. That's just like, that's like prison where you get to go home occasionally. That just sounds like (laughs) dreadful. Um, So, you know, and I'm, I, you know, some people love school and that's great. I was not one of those people. I didn't, you know, so I like, I'm, I'm one of those people. I wake up in the morning still 
in my mid fifties, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I don't have to go to school today. <laughs> yeah. I get to do what I want. This is awesome. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, so it's it's gonna be hard for that not to spill on, spill into my kids. Um, um, I see insights into my four year old or and right now, and I'm like, oh my god, you're a freaking genius, and all I have to do is you know let that happen. Um, and we'll see what happens. He goes to a little teeny little, uh, Montessori thing. So they're, they're pretty good at that. And, uh-huh. um, we read to him every night and, um, I've got a lunch appointment tomorrow at near a, uh, um, uh, a big half price bookstore and they've got like a huge section of, um, uh, academic books. So I'm going to get some, you know, biology and some, you know, um, um, physical science books to, you know, and mm-hmm. those are our, those are our nighttime reading. Like, you know, yeah. forget Forget, you know, forget uh, the the big red dog and all that bullshit. <laughs> right. It, it's interesting because I had uh, Scott Galloway here, who's a professor at NYU, and we were talking about this. And he said, you know, this is unfortunate. He said, but the reality is that we are not in a meritocracy when it comes to this. It's very much a caste system. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, you hear that and you think, yeah, that's so true because, uh, you know, we basically prize sort of achievements and accolades like elitism matters you know it's like oh you're you're you know buying he said that colleges are no longer the business of educating people they're luxury brands which i thought was so disturbing wow. yeah 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 and yeah, you fuck see college, that even. <laughs> college for people college is for people who don't know what they want to do that's a yeah. it's a freaking expensive place to find yourself well, yeah, I mean, you see that, right? And you're right. It is an expensive place to find yourself. And I think that, you know, one thing I know that I, I've heard you talk about before is this idea. I mean, you mentioned in our previous conversation and I've seen it, you know, uh, mentioned in your books about the, the the guy who had to pay his rent, you know, but didn't follow through on his dream. And, you know, I mean, I, I made decisions in building Unmistakable Creative and, you know, writing my books that would probably make Dave Ramsey lose his fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because I chose not to pay off student loan debt. Like I delayed it because I was like, okay, I'm either going to spend my life servicing this debt at a job that I probably will get fired from. Yeah. Or I'm going to do something that I care about. And that, I mean, that's not a, you know, like no financial advisor would say that's a wise choice. So, no. you know, as somebody who has gone through this and, and has sustained a creative career, how do you navigate the the financial uncertainty, particularly at the beginning when you literally are signing up for something where nothing is guaranteed and anything is possible? Well, nothing's guaranteed anywhere. You know, I mean, yeah. nothing's guaranteed anywhere. Uh, you know, the subtitle of, of effect perfection is dangerous ideas on the business of life. And the reason mm-hmm. it's dangerous ideas is because it's it's contrary to all the stuff that you're given. You know, it's contrary to all the financial advice you're given, you know, and I understand this because I taught at the School of Visual Arts for 20 years after I was asked to leave. Um, I was a I was a hot commodity there for a long time um, as a teacher. And um, I would tell all my students, I said, listen, here, here it is. You are going to leave school and somebody, possibly you, possibly your parents is going to incur a large amount of debt. And you're going to be given a choice and it's a difficult choice. Most people choose the wrong choice, which the difficult choice is, um, the, 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 excuse me, the wrong, the wrong choice is most of you will choose to pay it off in the form of slavery, where you will take a job that you hate and work it to the bone, right? You will never find the, 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 the power of your voice. You will never find out what you're capable of creatively. Because you will be sucking wind, watching, you know, uh, uh, trying to make money and, you know, watching it go to somebody else. Or you can do what you're here for, which is, is learn the power of your voice, get yourself all amped up on creativity, and then go out and make creativity do its job. Most people think creativity is the afterthought. It's like, oh, oh, at the end of the day, then you go, oh, let's, oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah, let's ask James. And James says, make it pink, mm-hmm. right? But that's not creativity. You know, creativity is, is you, we, it's inside of you for a purpose. So you might as well, if it's paying rent, you know, you, I mean, you might as well make it pay rent, right? You might as well make it do its job. And its job is to, you know, get paid for it. And it is hard, but you know what? It's much happier. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like um, during the May 68 uh, student 
worker revolution in Paris, there was there was all these placards that were put up, and there was one that would say something to the effect. I think in French it said, uh, uh, "La lutte sera dure mais patrice," which means the the struggle will be will be um, hard but not sad. <laughs> mm. I love that. I love that. Yeah, you know, take a year or two. And get out there and hump and make it, you know, don't just, you know, most of them like get out their portfolio and they just kind of like, they're like a leaf in the wind. You know, the telephone rings and they go boom, 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 over there. And then the door opens and they go boom, 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 over there. And just walk around like, like droop dogs with their portfolios. Like, oh my God, you are so not doing it the right way. You are so not taking it by the balls and being in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, when you take creativity and then you start mixing it with, with, um, a commercial existence, it becomes super complicated. Yeah. Um, and it takes the right person. And, and I understand why so people, why so few people succeed at, you know, um, being professional for their entire existence or being an independent professional like me for their entire existence. And Mm -hmm. most of them are because they're unable to, um, um, to accept the cost. And there's always a cost. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. It, 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 it's interesting, right? I realize that no matter what you do, there's always an opportunity cost. You will give something up to get something you want. Sure. And you have to accept yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. So 
one of the things that you said in the book, and I think this is like a perfect place to start diving in, uh, this struck me in particular because we started out talking about comparison. You said the only thing you learn by following the herd is that the view never changes. You never learn how to express your own truth or beauty and never find out the power therein. You never get to know who you are or what you're capable of. Yeah. And yet. That's uh, pretty well written, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Uh <laughs> The, the thing, it's funny because, you know, I wrote a book called Unmistakable Why Only is Better Than Best. And my joke is the alternative title to that book could have been Everybody is Full of Shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, although I'm not sure Penguin would have wanted to publish that. Yeah. Uh, but nobody wants, nobody that, wants to tell the truth, right? Yeah. Well, the thing that, that you know, I, part of why that line in particular I probably underlined was because the pattern that I, I've seen and I still continue to see over and over is that people don't look up to their heroes and role models. They mimic them. Like I remember a friend sent me a list of websites for all these people she thought would make good guests on the podcast. And I literally I had them all next to each other on tabs. And I'm like, what the hell do all these people do? And why does it seem like they all do exactly the same thing? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you get people to break that, you know, pattern, like just to break that way of thinking? Um, it, <clears throat> First of all, it's, it's an extended conversation. It's not, you know, it's not easy. Um, next, next, uh, Friday is the first day of our, um, one of our, uh, workshops that we throw here on the ranch. So we invite, you know, a limited, like eight to 10 people work with us for three or four days. And so the first day is, um, they show up and we have this long conversation over, you know, over a couple of days about who they are. And why they got invited, why they got uh, started in this business in the first place. And mm -hmm. it's not all, it's not all, uh, you know, creative directors. It's like, you know, teachers and um, people who run um, uh, small businesses or people who work uh, as creative leaders for state farm insurance, for example, or, you know, it's like, it's like, it's a wide swath of people. We, you know, we get an occasional illustrator and an occasional gardener and occasional, you know, um, and the process is to basically get them to look inside and ask themselves, you know, why they got on the, that path. Are they still on that path? You know, and, and, and how can, you know, I say on the, when the, on the first night they show up, I say, listen, on Sunday, when you go through that gate, I do not want you to leave unchanged. I want you to go back and, 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 and look at your life. And, and, and celebrate this new you, you know, on the first day we have them, we sit them all down and we say, okay, tell me your story. I literally say, tell me your story. And they say, well, I'm a creative director and this is what I'm doing. And here's where my pain points are. They don't use those words, but they, you know, give that. And at the end of the process, I say, I say, okay, now I want to hear your new story. Now I want to hear who you really are and how, you know, cause we, we tell ourselves this is the thing, Srini, we tell ourselves this story and it's basically this lie, this habit that we've created, that we've, that we've assembled over a bunch of years. Mm. You know, we recollect our failures and put that in there, you know, and that, that becomes a limitation. Oh, I can't make more than that much money because it's just impossible because I'm creative, right? We, we, you know, so we, 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 we fabricate these stories about ourselves, but it's a lie. And it's easily poked through. <laughs> um, so, you know, the process goes like that. And I think that, you know, I think the first, I think the, the, the very first line in Feck Perfection says, we are all born wildly creative. Some of us just forgot. Mm. And I think that's it. We're all born, you know, super creative, super geniuses. And I mean, everybody. You know, I remember when I was in New York and I was a student and I was, you know, like, you know, buying a bunch of beers. And I was, you know, a, a, a bar fly. And hanging out at a Blarney Stone or one of the, you know, uh, awesome little local corner bars and um, um, actually near Madison Square Garden because that's where I kind of I, – I lived in the Y for a long time. And I would hang out there with like um, city sanitation workers, you know, after they were done their shift or, or cops. Dude, these guys are so smart, so politically astute. You know, and I'm like, and as, as a young designer, I'm like, oh my God, I could turn these guys into, you know, these guys should be writers and, and comedians and, you know, and, and, and creators. They're so brilliant, but they've told themselves this story or their parents told them this story. You know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be a brick la bricklayer like me because yeah. it pays and there's always work laying bricks. 
So there's a long answer. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing you said, it's funny because I think that you and I have such aligned values when it comes to this. You said, don't waste your efforts trying to please other people. Make work that's meaningful to yourself. First, create work or a business that reflects your genuine passion. Your enthusiasm at the cellular level creates excitement and energy that radiates outward. You become a beacon attracting your people, your tribe, your audience, even clients. And the funny thing is that so many people don't actually do that. No, uh, they are no, constantly trying to get validation from an audience. And I think this, this need for validation from strangers on the internet is only amplified, uh, by social media. Like m- my perfect example of this is I will never pick a podcast guest based, based on how famous they are, or how many downloads I think the episode will get, which is why we end up with so many weird people as our guests. Mm-hmm. So how do you reinforce this in a world where we have quantified the hell out of everything? Um, there's, um, a central core idea in, um, the book in, in my book. And, um, it says the things that made you weird as a kid make you great today. Again, if you can remember those things, you know, if you can remember the things that you love to do, um, you can actually figure out how to get paid for them. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got, I have, I have pals who are kings in their industry, you know, an industry like, uh, like I've got a, a, this pal, Troy Lee, who, um, he, anybody who is anybody in the racing industry, formula one, indie motocross, doesn't matter. Um, if you are, you know, if you, if you are serious, then Troy Lee has designed your pit crew stuff. He's painted your helmet. He's designed the, you know, your gear. He's, you know, and he, he has this industry and like, he started out as a, you know, as a, as a, as a young, a skateboard dude and a motocross guy who, you know, started painting people's helmets. It's just, that's just what he wanted to do. And he was just smart enough to figure out how to, how to, how to manage that and how to nurse that into a, into a, a, a major career. Um, so the first thing is, is, is the things that made you weird as a kid make you great today. If you can, if you can hold on to it, you know, another example is, uh, is, uh, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Right. Uh-huh. The, 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 um, funny, smart, charming, um, astrophysicist. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he, his story is, you know, his origin story is he was, t- you know, his dad took him out into a field. He says, you know, and we looked up into the night sky and he said, he said, the universe called me. Hmm. And he just had to, he just had to hold on to that. He just had to not let it go and not, you know, yeah, take a summer job. Yeah. Work at a camp. Yeah. Work at a McDonald's, but don't let go of that thing. You know, most of us, most of us would rather, you know, take the easy route, which is to sell it. You know, it's called, I call it, uh, um, learning to love the taste of shit. Yeah. You know, and the way you learn to love the taste of shit is by tiny, 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 little, little bites. Yeah. And after, after a while you realize, oh my God, I have an appetite for shit. (laughs) I will invite, I will invite more into my life. Um, and it's, 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 it's hard to do. It's hard to, it's hard to maintain that. Um, um, I mean, advice is, it, it's kind of difficult to, 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 to advise besides, besides constantly. Well, here, here's the advice. And it, it's a story. I was just in, I was just in Dublin on a, on a, on a, on a book thing. And I did a, I did a big, a big long Q and a, which I generally don't do, but I did a big long Q and a for some students. And the students said, we've got these instructors who like really bum us out. They like tell us, you know, they're like rules and rules and rules and, you know, um, and they're super harsh critics and they're just not nice people and whatever, you know, whatever students say. And I said, okay, listen, here's a couple things. One is, you know, listen to them because they, they're, you know, everybody is, everybody, even your worst tormentor can be your greatest teacher. So they probably have something you can learn. But, you know, I say, listen, if you were driving down the road in your car and a Britney Spears song came on the radio, what would you do? They said, oh, wait, wait, whoa, we, we'd turn the channel. I'm like, okay, the same thing. Just stop listening. Yeah. Just don't listen. Because there's a lot of harsh critics out there. There are a lot of, you know, Srini, you know, you, you, you know, social media is yeah. full of just critics, right? So mm-hmm. what you have to do is you got to go find those voices, go find the voices that will help you go find the voices that are nurturing, go find the voices that care. And there are, there are, you know, uh, mine are all dead. <laughs> the people who, the people who influence me the most are, you know, um, um, dead. And some of them, most of them are even poets, you know, um, 
Um, am I getting towards the dead poet society thing is here? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the thing is like, you, you know, you go find the, the sources that nourish you and you know, it's super important. You know, you call it inspiration if you want, but you know, I'm like, you know, uh, I try to read, um, uh, now I just, his name is gonna, uh, oh, it, it'll, 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 it'll come to me when I, uh, there are, there are a number of books that I try to read, you know, every year. Um, um, and they just remind me of, you know, the importance of, of, of who I am and the importance of, of having a voice and how hard it is to, to hold on to that. Yeah. Well, I think that makes a a perfect segue to this section of the book. You, you mentioned this idea of of what success is. You said growing up, our parents, teachers, and friends paint a picture for us of what success looks like. It's usually exactly as advertised on TV, the mad scramble for money, house, job, money, were this brainwashed version of reality true, the world would be populated solely by accountants and bankers. It would be a bleak, dull world with no room for the misfits, artists, and creators who form our culture. And that really struck me because um, in so many ways, we're very much socialized to pursue the definition of success that society hands to us, what mm-hmm. I call off crossing the checkboxes of society's life plan. And, you know, that the programming becomes so deeply embedded in us. It is almost like, you know, water to a fish. Like most people aren't even aware that it's there. And I, I think the only reason for me that I, I, I haven't succumbed to it is because I've been so removed from those environments for so long that uh, I just, you know, it's kind of like you've been unplugged from the matrix and you see it all as bullshit. Yeah. Um, and you start to see your reality as malleable yet. So many people live in this idea that their reality is fixed. And I wonder given how strong that programming is, how do you get them to unplug, I guess, is really where I'm going with it. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you, you made, you made two references that are, that are pretty accurate. And one is the, you know, the matrix thing, cause it's exactly like that. Um, yeah. and the other, the other reference you talked about water to a fish. And I don't know if you've ever read, uh, David Foster Wallace's, um, Gambier College uh, commencement speech called uh, "This Is Water." Water, yeah, I've never yeah. read it. I've watched it, oh, but yeah. Oh, so so it's it's super short, but it's like yeah. so accurate. Um, and it's and it's uh, both of those, The Matrix and David Foster Wallace. I mean, they, it's it's consciousness. It's just a level of consciousness, and you know, p- you know, I love it when people say, "Well, you know, James in reality." I'm like, "No, there is no fucking reality. Get get that out of your goddamn head. Reality is what everybody wants you to be, and it doesn't exist. You know, we have to we 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 need to challenge that in our consciousness. There is no reality. You know, I am I am the maker of manners. I am the one who sets standards for myself." And now for my family and my reality is different than yours because I said so, you know, I was in a talk recently with a, I was, I was Skyping with a, a friend, uh, a dear, uh, a super charming dear friend who you may, you may want on your, on your podcast is one of the best designers on the planet. And he designed my first book. He designed the, um, um, who died and made you boss. And mm-hmm. he, 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 he constantly ribs and he's, he's super competitive too. So he's constantly ribbing me and he makes some joke about some, about premature balding or whatever, you know, cause I've got a, like a, you know, shiny top of the head. And I said, you know what, Paul? I said, you, do you know why I am a handsome, sexy man? It's because I fucking say so. <laughs> because I say so. And that makes it real. And that makes it happen for myself and for other people. You know, if I didn't believe that, you know, uh, you know, uh, I'd start looking like Homer Simpson. <laughs> Again, another Simpson reference. But um um you know <laughs> reality is what we make it. Reality is what we choose. There is no there is no there is no reality. And if there is, it is not a place I want to live. And it's not a place I want my children to live. Cuz it's boring, dull and uninteresting. I'm writing I'm writing in the process of writing a new book right now and I'm there's a there's a section on the on you know, professionalism. And I think, I think I was writing the other day and I think the, the first sentence sounded pretty good. I said, um, um, it's a book about being weird. And I, the first sentence says, most work is not weird. It's dull. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. do- dull, boring, uninteresting, and probably serves no one. And that's why we, in our core, wow. hate our jobs. So, so fuck reality. 
Did you always believe this, like this idea that you're sexy? And if not, how did you change it? How do other people change beliefs that aren't serving them? You know, when I, when I was growing up, I was shy. And it's an, it's an interesting thing because um, you, did you know, Srini, you're a smart guy. Did you know there's no gene for shyness? <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't born shy. I was told I was shy by authority. My father would introduce me and say, this is, this is, this is little Jimmy, my shy one. And I, I became shy, mm. you know, it's like, it's like uh, when you start telling somebody something long enough, they're going to believe it. Right. Especially when they're a child. So there's uh, so many things that we're talking about, Srini, are things that were, that were instilled in us when we were children, that we weren't good enough, that we weren't smart enough, that it was hard. Mm. Oh, you don't want to be a musician because there's no money in it. Well, wait, have you tried? <laughs> really? You're going to fucking just say that blanket statement? Because I don't know, some of the most, you know, some of the billionaires on the planet are actually musicians. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so um, I've lost track of what I was saying, but I'm assuming I'm answering your question. <laughs> yeah. No, you are. I think it, it's, I think it's, it's you know, I, I said the only way that reality becomes valuable is when you have the courage to question it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, there there is no reality. And once you once you once you start accepting, you know, I live in Texas. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not in New York City anymore. New York City is interesting because everybody has their own kind of, you know, there are there there's, you know, there's, you know, again, you know, 85, 90% lemmings in New York, but you're still hanging around with some, you know, interesting people. You know, and now I'm living in relatively rural, you know, um, you know, Trump Republican Texas and I'm like, "Wow." uh, there's, they have a reality. Uh-huh. They have a reality. It's a weird one. And it's kind of, you know, not something I want to be a part of, but you know, so it's just interesting to see, um, to see these things. And it's, it's like, it's like a, a cultural habit, yeah. right? It's just a cultural habit. It's not true. Hey, I'm a, you know, I'm Italian American. So I talk with my hands. That's, you know, it's like, no, that's not a genetic trait. It's just like, it's your parents did it. So you do it. It's yeah. a habit. Speaking of habits, um, you know, I think that you also touched quite a bit on the actual uh, aspect of working habits. I mean, you and I both share this in common. Having read audience of one, you know this, given that you're one of the blurbs that um, I always jokingly say that I was like, yeah, I'm not a good writer. I just write a lot. And some of it happens to be good. Uh, but you emphasized, you know, one thing uh, about phones, you actually have a section called kill your phone. And, you know, I think we were kind of dancing around the edges of the role that social media is playing. And uh, I kind of wonder, you know, what is your view on on all of this? Because I, I have strongly believed that this is paradoxically, despite the fact that it's made a lot of creativity possible, it's also inhibiting creativity because we're focused on all the wrong damn things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I certainly inhibiting creativity. You know, it's funny. I was watching a, uh, I'm a huge David Mamet fan. If you haven't, if you haven't read any of David Mamet, um, like he has a book about on uh, sharpening knives is, I think his, I think his best is called uh, Bambi versus Godzilla. It's, it's such, mm-hmm. such smart stuff. It's about, you know, it's about the art and craft of, of writing and writing for movies and writing plays and stuff, but it's how it's always about creativity. It's so good. But, um, I was watching, uh, an older Mamet movie and <clears throat> I think it was on an airplane or something. And, um, the phone rings and the guy goes over to the wall and picks up the phone on the wall and the phone is connected with a cord to the wall. And I thought, ah, that's it. That's when a phone call had a time and a place. And now it's all the time and everywhere. And we've just, it's, 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 it's one of these things that the, you know, that, that the internet has done that, that, that all this accessibility has done for us, which, he, <clears throat> you know, so here's, here's, here's my, here's my argument with, with this culture and my kids don't touch, you know, don't touch the, they, I tried my wife and I make an effort not to be on our equipment at home, you know, and they, they don't say they don't see us on it all the time. Um, I have a, I also have an older boy who's super disciplined. He's 22. Uh, he's super disciplined about, you know, not, you know, w- walking down the street with his head bowed, you know, looking into his phone. But um, the thing about the, this, all this connectivity is that it has ruined etiquette. Hmm. And etiquette is important. Etiquette is, etiquette is how we show respect to each other. So it's ruined etiquette. It's ruined discipline. Because, you know, I'll, you know, you'd be in a public restroom and you hear some guy talking 
He's, you're, I'm like, I, you know, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Are you shitting and talking on the phone? Because that is disgusting. <laughs> that is like the most disgusting and I don't even know the, I don't even know if, what is the most gross word I could use? I'm not sure. So, you know, it's ruined our etiquette. It's ruined our discipline. Um, and it's ruined our ability for solitude. And that's important because in order for us to grow as creative individuals, we need to, we need to take time with our craft. We need to, we need to spend time with our thoughts so that they may grow and develop. And if we don't do that, then we're just, every creative impulse is a knee jerk. Yeah. You know, uncritical, unthinking, uh, cliche. So, you know, that, 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 those three points are my, you know, my biggest, biggest gripes, uh, on, on that. And yes, it, I, I, I firmly believe that all of those together are, you know, kill creativity. Um, plus the, and you know, forget about the looky loo, forget about, you know, the fact that there are so many portfolio sites on there and, you know, Instagram's a portfolio site. I mean, mine is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so people can just like, you know, ogle, you know, work. Um, um, yeah. So forget about the looky loo thing, which again, invites all the comparison things. So, so yeah, no, it's a weird time to grow up and it's a weird time to be creative. Um, but, but I also think that, you know, that, that, um, I don't really like this term, but for lack of other terms, you know, the strongest will survive the, the real weirdos will, will still, still shine. It's it's funny you say that because I, I've uh, I've been observing patterns among people who I know are prolific creators who have built like really impressive bodies of work like people like Ryan Holiday who's written six books in six years, uh, and I was just at Stephen Kotler's uh, Zero to Dangerous training in Miami where he basically taught us all about flow and you know Kotler's written you know nine books and you know been nominated for a Pulitzer I'm like okay this guy knows what he's talking about and Cal Newport and like every example I see of people who are just you know, kind of anti-social media, they're all incredibly successful. And I, I remember, I think the funniest thing that, that, you know, one of Steven's rules of flow is, is fuck off, I'm flowing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I, I, you know, and I remembered that very distinctly because I was in the library the other day trying to write and this woman wouldn't stop interrupting me. And I'm like, I have headphones on lady. I'm like, I'm trying yeah. to write and I don't know you and I don't want you to buy me lunch as kind as that is. So I literally, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm ordering a sticker for my laptop that says, if you see my headphones on, don't fuck with me. I'm flowing. <laughs> I'm, uh, Srini, I am a, I'm still a barfly. Uh, yeah. I've always done, um, um, a lot, I do a lot of writing and, um, and all the like d- real, d- real design work. <laughs> you know, the computer is where you just sit there and you, you know, make it bigger, make it smaller, make it bigger, yeah. move it over there, make it smaller, right? That bullshit. Yeah. Um, uh, so I do a lot of writing, a lot of work at a bar. And, um, the bartenders around here know me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have, I have been able to not do that thing <laughs> that you were talking about. Cause at one point I was like, Oh my God, I'm just going to, on the back of my laptop, I'm just going to, in big, huge letters, it's going to say, I'm not chatty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like tapping away and I don't wear headphones or anything, but I'm like, you know, I'm writing, I'm tapping away, I'm drinking a beer or whatever and having mm-hmm. some French fries and, and, uh, and, um, you know, they want to ask me about the game or they want to ask me about, you know, you know, the weather, you know, and I'm like, um, yeah, excuse me. Um, <laughs> so I try to be polite, but you know, Hey, I'm not chatty. Yeah. I'm working. Wow. wow. <laughs> Uh, wow, this has been, uh, you know, as I expected, this has been really, really uh, thought-provoking and insightful. I want to steal a question. Dude, I'm the best. I'm the best. <laughs> Dude, I am an interesting motherfucker, right? I remember you said you're not for everybody, just for the sexy people. I, it's true. It's very true. Yeah. So I want to actually steal a question that I heard uh, Ryan Holiday mention, in a, or read Ryan Holiday mention about a question that changes reading life. What's one book that changed your life? Um, hmm. Um, there are a bunch of, I think I mentioned, you know, David Foster Wallace. I give David Foster Wallace to all, you know, all of my workshop guests. Um, there are, there are a number of them. And like I said, a lot of my, a lot of my, a lot of my heroes are old dead, you know? Um, what is, uh, what is his name? American writer, not 
em- oh, Emerson. Mm. Ralph Waldo's Emerson um, uh, book, uh, Self-Discipline. Yeah. Self-discipline. And it's, it's, he's calling for the, you know, the, um, it's a calling for like the kind of quote unquote American ideal, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but the, in the first paragraph, he says, he says, I was talking to an artist the other day who had the most original thought. And I'm like, oh my God, someone historically, you know, or historically they had respect for an artist. You would never hear this in a book now. You would never hear that, you know? And, and, and he, he basically, the artist said, the, 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 the thought that the artist was saying was the, you know, this, this, the idea of in the particular lies the universal. Like the things that I love and the things that I fear have meaning for others. And if you can understand that, you are creatively free. Mm. And for someone like, you know, um, um, Emerson to, you know, to, to open the book like that, you know, and, and to, say, to say that, you know, that thought strikes an iron cord. It's that kind of like, thom, you know, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's so, you know, zen. Um, and the other, another book that has another writer that has particular meaning to me is, uh, is Rumi. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the Rumi influenced, um, uh, Walt Whitman and it influenced Emerson and, it inf- you know, I mean, Rumi is a, Rumi is a, a huge influence. And I have a book that I carry with me whenever I travel. It's, it's just, it's just called the, uh, it's called, uh, the essential Rumi and I can yeah. just jump in and anywhere and he speaks to me, you know, across, across, you know, 900 years, he just speaks to me. You might as well say. Uh, you know, start each, start each, you know, each piece with dear James. Hmm. Wow. Well, I have one last question for you, which is how we, and I'd love to meet Ryan holiday. Somebody he's in Texas. (laughs) He's not, he's, he's in Austin. He's like 35 miles away. So you should meet him. I think you guys can get along. Uh, He seems kind of uh, a little serious for me in his word. Stoic. I think is his like stoic. What does that mean? What that means? Like you're made of, you're made of marble. I don't know what that means. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I, I think, I think that what makes people unmistakable is when they, um, uh, they follow that iron cord. They have that voice. They, they, they are in tune. Um, they are probably explicitly weird, um, and not outgoingly weird, but just, they, they have their own way. And so not to draw drag this question out, but there's a there's a there's a there's a guy who we work with here um, who basically takes care of um, the you know uh, whenever we need heavy equipment on the property we call John T Baker. His name is John T Baker, and he is a six foot a hundred. <laughs> He's like this, just like what you would think of as a Texas cowboy, tall, good looking, like you know he's in his seventies, but he's like you know looks at you in the eye and gives you a big strong hand. So he says John T Baker. And I'm like transfixed by this guy every time he comes over. It's like, you know, and the thing is that is unmistakable. John T. Baker is unmistakable. And quite frankly, for a Texas cowboy, he's a little weird, but he's like, he has this thing. And I've since realized that one of the things that he and his wife do in their off time is, is um, they run a a camp to teach young boys self-discipline. And one of the things he teaches them is like that thing. You look in the eye and you give them a strong handshake and you say, my name is John T. Baker. I think that's mm-hmm. unmistakable. And that's just someone who, who understands the power of their character, the power of who they are. Amazing. And, and you're just born with that. Wow. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and uh, share your story and your insights uh, with our listeners and coming back and subjecting yourself to my insanity for a second. You time. bet, brother. I'm there for you. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you, your book, uh, your work, and everything else that you're up to in the world? Uh, find out about me would be either my Instagram, which is just James Victory. That's kind of where we. That's kind of where we play and where we try out new ideas. And I like it because I'm a visual artist, so I I get the the picture, or, you know, the images, and also I can write. So there's there's room for that. Um, website is jamesvictory.com, which is kind of um, a laundry list of all the things that we do changing all the time. Um, I have a, a podcast of my own podcast. It's on uh, the Patreon channel, which is patreon.com slash James Victory. 
And then the book is Effect Perfection, and you can get it through uh, effectperfection.com. Awesome. So, bunch of places, man. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.